Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 38, and we'll read down through the end of the chapter. It says, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? And not even the tax collectors are not even the tax collectors doing that. And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Whew. It's pretty high. It's a big bar. So let's talk about it. Four things I want you to see this morning. Jesus teaches us about retaliation. Number one, I want you to see that retaliation must be left to God and the authorities He has established. Retaliation must be left to God and the authorities He has established. Verse 38 and 39, He says, You have heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, don't resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Now we know that Jesus is, is raising the bar, but what bar is he raising? What's he talking about here? Well, to see that, we've got to go back a little bit. And we've got to look at Mosaic Law, because that's really what Jesus is referring to. So, so look with me here at, uh, at Exodus chapter 21. Uh, Exodus chapter 21 says, But if there is serious injury, you are to take life for life, eye for eye, hand for hand, and tooth for tooth. You say, well, wait a second. Hold on. I, I thought this was the antithesis. Jesus is taking what they say. And he, he, he's, he, he's, he's, he's changing. But why? Wait a second. He said he didn't come to change the Old Testament. He said he came to fulfill it. So why would he be so angry at these guys for basically, it seems like they're just keeping the law, right? Well, there's more to it than that. See, there's actually two more passages that say the same language. This, this, this law of just retribution. You also find it in Leviticus 24, 17 through 21. And in Deuteronomy 19, 21. But here's the deal. I want to look at two of those passages with you this morning. We're going to read the passages in context, which I know is a crazy thought. All right? But let's do it. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 21. Exodus chapter 21. Now we just read starting in verse 23. Uh, Exodus chapter 21, we just read starting in verse 23. And starting in verse 23 is where it says, But if there is serious uh, injury, um, you are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, and bruise for bruise. But, let's go up just one verse. Verse 22, it says, If men who are fighting hit a pregnant woman, and she gives birth prematurely, but there's no serious injury, the offender must be fined, get this, whatever the woman's husband demands, and, and, and you might want to underline this, and the court allows. The court allows. That's an interesting phrase to be found there in that law. Okay? Uh, let, let's pick one more. Deuteronomy 19. Turn with me there. Deuteronomy 19. Uh, 
I mentioned that this, this is also found in Deuteronomy 19. We'll look at verse 21, uh, the verse I mentioned a second ago, and see what, what Scripture says, and then we're going to go back a little bit and read the context. Deuteronomy 19, uh, verse 21 says, Show no, put, show no pity. Uh, life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. But again, let's read it in context. Now, now go back to verse uh, 16. Verse 16 of, of Deuteronomy chapter 19. It's, it's the same, same paragraph here. It says, If a malicious witness takes the stand to accuse a man of a crime, uh, the two men involved in the dispute must stand in the presence of the Lord before the priest and the judges who are in office at that time. The judges must make a thorough investigation. And if a witness proves to be a liar, giving false testimony against the brother, then do to him as uh, he intended to his brother. There's some key phrases there. In Exodus 21, it talks about what the court of laws. In Deuteronomy 19, 16, it talks about taking the stand and standing before judges. Here's what I want you to see. This eye for an eye, this law of just retribution, it was originally intended to be a guide for the Jewish courts. It was always intended to be a guide for the Jewish courts. It was only intended to be a guide for the Jewish courts. It was always meant to be for the court system. It was given so that the judges wouldn't be too lenient and they wouldn't be too harsh. It was making sure that when somebody committed a crime, that the penalty that was handed out by the court would be a just penalty. It was never intended for personal use. It was never intended for, for use in personal relationship in matters of personal vengeance. But that's exactly what the scribes and the Pharisees have done. They have extended this principle of, of, of the law of just retribution from the law of the courts into the realm of personal relationship. And they are using it to justify acts of plain personal revenge. And Jesus steps in and he says, that may have been what you were taught. But I tell you, no retaliation whatsoever on your part. None. None. Right? That, that, that's, a, that's a big deal. Now here's what I want you to see. When we, we talk about how far off base they were, I just want to show you a little. This is from their law, by the way. This is from their law. Look at this. Leviticus 19.18. I, I want you to see what, they, what they're doing. They don't even know they're breaking their own law. So do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. And yet here they're trying to explain away their sin. They're doing their best to do it, and Jesus lets them have it. He says, you've heard an eye for an eye, but I say no retaliation, no personal retaliation whatsoever. So the first thing I want you to see this morning is retaliation must be left to God and the authorities He has established. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. It's got to be left to Him. All right. Number two. Number two, as we study this passage, I want you to see that we should never defend ourselves out of anger or resentment. We should never defend ourselves out of anger or resentment. Starting in verse 39, he says, but I, but I tell you, don't resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Now, I need you to see this clearly, okay? Let's look at this point again. It says we should never... No, no, go back. Go back where we were. Go back. There we go. We should never defend ourselves 
out of anger or resentment. That point does not say you should never defend yourself. Okay? This is a little special note today. That does not say that you should never defend yourself. It, it, it says you should never defend yourself against anger or resentment. I want you to see a couple things, okay? First of all, Jesus gives three examples, right? He says if somebody hits you, if somebody sues you, and if somebody forces you to walk with them. Now, that third one doesn't really apply to us. That was a Roman thing. A Roman guard could gr- grab any citizen and say, I'm tired of carrying my stuff. Walk with me. And they could force them. You know, you got Simon the Cyrene who has to carry the cross of Jesus. He's made to do that, right? Do you remember that, guys? This is yes. This is no. This is I've never heard of Simon the Cyrene. Right? Okay. All right. So somewhere in between there, right? So, so that was Roman law. You could force a subject to walk with you. So it doesn't so much apply to us. I, I said this morning, the best I got is if a, if a police comes up to you and say, I need your car, right? All right, officer. Well, you drive it wherever you need to, but wherever you drive it, make sure you drive it the same amount afterward, okay? You take it. Not just 10 miles. You go 20. I promise. It's okay. I'll even put gas in it for you, right? Whatever. Jesus gives three examples. He says if somebody hits you, somebody sues you, somebody forces you to walk with them. I want you to notice this. You notice none of those examples are life-threatening? None of them. Not a single one of those examples is life-threatening. Second thing I want you to notice, you look at Jesus' ministry. On several occasions, Jesus is about to be stoned. Right? On several occasions, it says in Scripture, they pick up stones prepared to, to basically execute him. And what does it say Jesus did? He slipped away. He slipped away. So, so throughout Scripture, we find that Jesus doesn't have a problem with evading harm or self-defense that's non-retaliatory. Okay? Here's the best summary I can give you. I found this quote from John Calvin this week. Great quote. It's a little heady, but it's a good quote. So I, it's, on your, it's on your notes. I already printed it for you because it's kind of long. All right? This is what John Calvin says. I love this. He says, The law is not confined to outward works as long as you read it with intelligence. He's talking about the scribes and the Pharisees. It was all, you just got to do this, do this. As long as you read it with intelligence, that's not what you get, okay? You you don't have to misinterpret this, this passage. He says, I grant that Christ holds back our hands from revenge just as much as our minds, but where a man may, without taking revenge, protect himself and his own from injuries, Christ's words do not stop him from peaceably and non-violently deflecting the force as it runs on to him. He's saying nowhere in Scripture does it say that you can't defend yourself or your family. What it says in Scripture is you can't retaliate. What it says in Scripture is is that you can't retaliate because you're mad at somebody, or because you're angry with somebody, or because you resent somebody. Back to the three illustrations. Somebody slaps you, you're going to be mad, right? Right? It, it might even be a little embarrassing because it's probably happening in public. And, and that's, that's going to anger you. Somebody sues you. Guess what? You're going to be mad. How dare them? Couldn't we have worked this out? Here they are taking it to a judge. They're smearing my good name all over the public arena. You're going to be angry. It, it, it's going to cause you to be angry. Somebody forces you. Here, you take this. You're going to have to walk with me. You're going to have to carry my stuff. You're going you're to be angry. There's going to be resentment. But what does Jesus say? It doesn't matter if you're angry. It doesn't matter if you resent. You don't act out of that. You know what you do instead? Because none of these things are life-threatening, right? He always focuses on what matters, right? Do any of those things really matter? It doesn't matter if somebody is suing you and they're already going to get your, 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 your jacket. So you say, well, here, take my coat too, you know? 
Here, you can have my two. Go ahead and take my coat, too. Does it really matter if somebody slaps you on the face? They've already done it once. You might as well extend the other side. Even it out, brother. I don't want, I don't want, I don't want this one to be red and this one not to be red. I want equal, okay? Right? Just do me the right way. Oh, if I'm going to... Here's the heart of it. Here's the point. If you're a child of God, you've been forgiven by God. And if you've experienced the forgiveness of God, then then how can you not extend the forgiveness of God? Amen? You've experienced the forgiveness of... What is a slap? It's nothing. Right? It's nothing. Think about what Christ endured upon the cross. A slap is nothing. A lawsuit is trivial. Forcing me to do labor, that's okay. I'm not going to retaliate. I'm not going to retaliate because I'm a child of God. And that's what Scripture teaches me. Not to retaliate. The Christian should never defend himself out of anger or resentment. That's what it means to turn the other cheek, by the way. Okay? That's what, that's what it's talking about. One last note I'm going to give you here, just free of charge. All right? You get things free of charge here. By the way, this thing is so packed. There were, there were probably 20 points we could have had on this one little thing. And so, so I'm trying to smack in as much as we can. Okay, so, so here we go. One last thing. This passage does not mean... That some, some have misinterpreted... Remember origin, the dangers of misinterpreting Scripture? Do you guys recall origin, the early church father who became a heretic? He, in the Sermon on the Mount, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Right? Eyes caused you to sin, gouge it out. He castrated himself and later regretted it, of course. Okay? Origin took it out of context. Now, some people have read this passage of Scripture and they believe it is a call to extreme pacifism to the point that you don't even involve the authorities ever. Alright? Let me speak to that for a moment because I want you to know turning the other cheek doesn't mean that you never call the police. Turning the other cheek doesn't even mean that you, you don't press charges. That's not what it means. And somebody that would tell you that that's what it means probably has a misunderstanding of Scripture because when you read Scripture, you find out every authority in place has been put there by God Himself. Meaning the authorities have a purpose and they have a reason. And that purpose and reason is not our purpose and reason. It's God's purpose and reason. Amen? All right. That means that, that, that if God is indeed in control and God indeed has placed these people over us for our own protection, for our own good, that there are times that you need to contact the authorities, that you need to press charges. I'll give you an example. Um, I was blessed to be able to spend some time with Eddie Friends this week. And um, he came in and we got to talk a little bit. And so I asked him, I said, you know, Eddie, I, I read those those emails. Uh, you know, you get them, the Christian emails, the, the email chains. You pass this on or you don't love Jesus. Right. You know, the ones. Right. And they and they have these great uh, illustrative stories. They're so lovely and wonderful. And I know they come from a good place. If you wrote one of this, like what I'm about to say, let me apologize in advance. OK. All right. If you are the originator, I'm probably going to offend you. Uh, but but, you know, I, I think about these things, these chain emails. If you love Jesus, you got to post this or on Facebook. You, I, I know that that ninety eight and a half percent of my friends will never post this. But blah, blah, blah. The ones that really love Jesus. Well, I'm like, ha. Ah. You're missing the point. Okay. Uh, anyway, so so I read this one one time. It was they were trying to expound upon the grace of God. They're trying to give you this example of what the grace of God must feel like, and and it was something to the effect of uh, you're you're in a court of law, and there's a husband and a wife, and they have lost a child, and they've lost a child to an automobile accident with a drunk driver. 
okay? And the judge, and, and, and the guy was found guilty. I mean, I mean, he's sitting there and he is sentenced by the judge. And there at sentencing, the judge says, does anybody have anything to say? And the dad of the victim gets up and says, yes, I have something to say. I forgive him. But, but sir, I know that somebody has to pay the penalty. And so I want to actually serve his time. Will you please release him and I'll serve his time in his place. It's one of those kind of emails, right? That's ooey gooey. Isn't that ooey gooey? It's, oh, the grace of God. Now, I don't know a judge that would allow that, but anyway. Uh, but, but it's about the grace of God, and sometimes we're, we're kind of those people who say, oh, that's so... And, and because of things like that, we think, well, maybe I shouldn't press charges. Maybe I, I should... should so, so Eddie was here this week, and, um, and I just talked to him. I said, Eddie, when, when you were initially arrested, if, um, if, if somebody could have could had the power of to said, you know what? I'm a, I'm a Christian and I've received the grace of God and I'm going to extend it to you right now and we're just going to make all this go away. Would you have changed your life? You know what? He looked at me and he said, Pastor, not at all. He said, I had to go to prison. I had to go to prison so that God could break me. So that God could change me. You see, sometimes when we intercede and we think that well, 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 wait a second. I've misunderstood this. I can't ever do that. What we're doing is we're really usurping God's plan. Right? If God is in control of all things, there are times we have to alert the authorities. So I just give that to you, all right? I give that to you. So, so number two, the, the Christian should never defend himself out of anger or resentment. That's what turning the other cheek means. Number three. Number three. I want you to see this morning that because we belong to the Savior, our love must go beyond sentiment to service. Because we belong to the Savior, our love must go beyond sentiment to service. Verse 43 and 44. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. And again, I want to show you how badly these guys have butchered this. We we showed this verse earlier, Leviticus 19.18. do not seek revenge or, or bear a grudge against your people. Get this. But love your neighbor as yourself. So here's the scribes and the Pharisees. Love your neighbor as yourself. So they're going to take love your neighbor. And they're going to cut off the second half of that. Snip. Love your neighbor. And this is what they taught. They thought, well, surely if that is true one way, then the opposite of it must also be true. If you love your neighbor, you must hate your enemy. That's what they taught. That's, that's actually what they, they, they taught. Which, by the way, is found nowhere in the Bible. Nowhere in the Bible does God call you to hate your enemies. And, and, and so, so Jesus steps into this kind of thing and this kind of, that kind, of, kind of teaching. And he says, listen, that may be what you heard. But let me tell you the truth. The truth is you can't hate your enemy. The truth is you need to love your enemies. You need to love your enemies. You love your neighbor. Love your enemies. And, and he says, why? Get, don't, don't miss that. Verse 44 or 45. That you may be sons of your father in heaven. It doesn't make you a son. But it sure is a sign that you are. Why do we love our enemies? Because God has loved us. Why do we love our enemies? Because God has loved us. Why do we love our enemies? We love our enemies because of Ephesians 2. Because of one point, we were all enemies of God according to Ephesians 2. 
At one point, we were all separate from God and we were all objects of God's wrath. At one point, we were all God's enemies. And in the midst of being God's enemies, God expressed His love to us, did He not? This is love, right? While we were still sinners, Christ died for our sins. God has expressed His love to us and we've got to express that love to others. We've got to love people that hate us. If we add the parallel account in Luke... We find that not only are we to love our enemies, but we are also to do good to those that hate us. I like how one commentator put it together. He says, love goes beyond what we could imagine. We are to love our enemies, ready, in deeds, in words, and in prayers. I want you to think about those three for a second. My fear is that we only do one of those three. You know, in truth, we really only love people in words. People hate us and we say, oh, I love them. Right? We don't love them. We don't love them. We turn the other way when they come walking down the hall. We don't love them. We ignore them. We don't love them. We try to cut them out of our life. We just, we just try to put up with them is what we do. That's not love. We say we love them. Oh, God bless her heart. Right? Such a sweet, sweet, somewhere down deep, sweet person right oh that guy you know he is just one of a kind you know what you're saying he's a real piece of work he's a mess and i don't know how else to describe him right so we 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 speak it but here's the problem we're not called just to speak it. we're called to actually show deeds and prayers it's a big deal and that leads into the fourth one okay last thing i want you to see is that intercessory prayer is important Intercessory prayer is important. Verse 44, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you. That's what we're called to do. We are called to pray for those that persecute us. Pray for those that hate us. Pray for those that are our enemies. The great German theologian, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, spoke out against Hitler, spoke out against what the Nazis were doing. He was arrested for it. He was put into a concentration camp, and you can imagine the conditions there. I know you've read and studied about such conditions. Three weeks before the Germans surrendered, he was hung. Because he opposed the way that they were treating people, what they were doing. He spoke up, but I want you to hear what he says about his enemies. This is huge. Bonhoeffer says this. He says this. He's talking about this passage. He says this is the supreme command. Through the medium of prayer, we go to our enemy and we stand by his side and we plead for him to God. Now, let's put that in context for a second. That means that Bonhoeffer, in a concentration camp, when he had everything that he possessed stripped away, when he was starved and naked, it was going before the throne of God on his knees before the God of the universe and he was pleading on the behalf of Adolf Hitler. That's prayer. That's prayer. That's what it means to be a believer. It means that you understand that our fight's not against flesh and blood, but it's against the spirits and the principalities of this dark world. It means that you understand that our fight is bigger than you and me. Our fight is between the the, the things that we cannot see that are clashing all amongst us. And Bonhoeffer got that. And the fact that he went to the throne of God pleading that God would have mercy 
on a person like Adolf Hitler, man, it floors me. It's an example of Christ. As they're driving nails into his hands and his feet, what did he do? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Friends, that's what we're called to do as believers. Not to hold grudges, not to retaliate, not to try to explain away our retribution, but to love our enemies and to pray for them, to plead for them in the presence of the Father. All right, we're almost done. I'm going to give you three things and and, and we'll be finished. Three application points. Number one, same thing you've heard since we started this series, you've got to raise the bar. It's not okay. Let me just say it. It's not okay. Don't give me your Christian lingo. I don't hate anybody, Pastor. Then why did you cut people out of your life? Then why do you ignore them? Then why are you holding resentment in your heart? It doesn't matter what you say. God sees your heart, folks. He sees your heart. It doesn't matter that you don't physically say, I'm mad at them. I hate them. I'm angry. If you're holding a grudge in your heart, God sees it. You've got to raise the bar on that. That's not okay. That's not who we're called to be as men and women of God. We have received forgiveness. We must extend forgiveness. Raise the bar. Number two, stop retaliating. All of it. You say, I'm not, I'm not retaliating. I'm not trying to hurt them. I'm just talking about them a little bit. Guess what? That person that said sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. They were deaf. They evidently never heard any words because that, that, that's, that's a bunch of junk. Sticks and stones will break your bones, but so will words. They cut, they slice, they hurt. So you, you can't do that. Again, think, think about, you, you, I'm not into pop psychology, but you could pick up any pop psychology book and if you wanted to study your child and how they act and behave, right? Just, just look at a three-year-old and how they behave when they're anger, angry and you can see it reflected in adults in the church today, right? They get mad. Sometimes they throw a fit. I want it my way. It happens all the time, right? I said the carpet should be red. Red stained glass, right? And throw the loudest fit and kick and scream and you name it, right? We do that. Sometimes the kids get so mad at you, they just, they just turn around. What are they? Hoo! Now they, they check back to see if you're looking. Are you, are you looking? Hoo! Man, and if you've got a strong-willed child like one of mine, they will do that for hours. It's really better than a movie. Just watch that thing for a while. Guess what? We do the same thing. That is a form of us retaliating. My boys are like, we don't do that. <laughs> Who said I was talking about you? I just said children. You have thrown a couple mega fits in your life, my child. Mega. We do the same thing. All you have to do is look to the actions of a child and we do the same thing. So what am I saying to you? I'm saying stop it. When you were a child, you acted like a child and thought like a child and you did childish things. But when you became an adult, you're supposed to put childish things behind you. You know, if the church today just stopped acting childish, I believe that every pew would be full in America. I mean it. I mean, if we could just get over all the minutiae, all the little things, all the arguing, all the acting like children, we could just understand this is what God's called us to be and be these kind of people, man. You couldn't, 
You couldn't build churches big enough. You just couldn't. Number three, love, serve, and pray for your enemies. Not just the people that hate you, but also the people that you hate. However you formulate that in your mind, anybody that you're holding a grudge against, any of those things, love them, okay? Not just with word, but also with deeds and with prayers. You say, Pastor, I can't love them. You start praying for them, you'll learn how to love them. I promise you that. You start praying for them, you're you're not going to be able to help but love them. Start praying for them. God will change your heart too. So I ask you this morning, who has hurt you? Who has wronged you? Do you have that picture in your head? With that in your mind, would you do this this morning? Would you join me now as we enter into a time that we pray for those people? Let's do that right now. Father, we come before you and, uh, and we say that you are God and we say that you are good and we say that um, your mercy not only endures forever but is something that we, um, we need greatly this morning. Would you please help us, Holy Spirit, to, to look into the depths of who we are? Uh, Father, this is who you call us to be, not something short of this. Would you give us the strength and the ability to be these kind of people, Lord? We ask that in your holy and precious name. Amen.